Good morning, Harvest Church. Let's stand to our feet. Are you ready to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence with thanksgiving and into your courts this morning with praise. We're expecting the anointing of God. We're expecting the corporate anointing upon the people of Harvest Church. So as we press in this day, Lord God, I thank you for moving in our midst. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
my words fall short I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing as I often do Every song I sing And you never do So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again For all I have is a hallelujah not much I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah
I've nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah
this morning we do declare and decree that you are the way maker that you are a miracle worker that is who you are we believe that and we thank you father we serve a God of victory in Jesus name and all God's people said amen amen you may be seated amen come here a minute young man come here Tell, tell everybody where you're going next week. Uh, well, you're not next week, but you're coming. What's coming up? With the college, you play soccer, right? Yeah. I'm trying, Abe. I'm trying. Quit acting like your dad. Amen. Undefeated, right? Amen. That's great. We have winter coming up, in case you didn't realize. Come on. And um, we will put it on radios if we have to cancel service, but probably the best way to do it is, um, Kaylee, if you'd put that up about the text. If you have your, if you do not get these text messages, then take your, you can take your phone out right now and follow that direction. And if you don't want to do that, you can talk to Brad after the service and he will help you. But what we, we don't text you a lot of stuff, but if we have to cancel a service or there's a change in scheduling or an announcement reminder, we will send that out and it comes directly to your phone. And so you don't have to sit and listen to the radio for 45 minutes, okay? So we use that for a lot of different things, but I would encourage you to do that on your phone. If you would, we'll also put it up on Facebook. So just so you know, if we have winter announcements, that's where it will be. This week, there is no Patriots. We want to let you have time to go trick-or-treating. On Wednesday, our regular service is at 7 p.m., and then next Sunday, of course, is Donut Day, and Daylight Savings Time ends, so just remember that. Um, we've been going through, I've been going through spiritual principles that you can apply to your finances. And when Mike Keyes was here, he talked about how to be a part of the, the army of God, the God's army, and it talked a lot about managing. You manage your emotions. You manage your mouth. You manage your time. You manage your zeal. You manage all these things, but you also have to learn to manage your money because that is a huge part of your life. And so last week we talked about how there's the spiritual side to our finances. There's also the natural side. So what I'm trying to do is just Take some principles, spiritual principles, that apply to our finances that we can put to work. So um, 
If you're new to all that, that's good. It's for you. If you're old, I just like to go to a batting cage and tweak my skills now and then. So we've been doing this for years, but I like to go back, and sometimes I will get lax in things. So number one, never make your financial decisions based on your ego or emotion. It talks about in the Word of God. If you sons, if you are a son of God, you are led by the Spirit of God, not by your egos and emotions, but by the Spirit of God. And he gives us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to use for a purpose. Last week, I mostly talked about storehouses. In Deuteronomy 28, 8, it says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, plural. You need to have storehouses. And I said the number one first step to a storehouse is to have an emergency fund and have at least stocked up to $1,000. And we'll go into some of that more in the next few weeks. But today I want to read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. You can open there or you can just listen. You've all heard it before. But this is what the purpose of man is. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creep, everything that creeps on the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So if we are made in the image and likeness of God, he had dominion over the earth, over everything, over every living thing, but he delegated it to us. When he sent man to earth, he delegated it to us. So it is our responsibility to take dominion. And years ago... Thousands of years ago, they had to take dominion over their flocks and their herds, and that was their form of finance. Today, most of our finances is just money. And so we have to learn how to take dominion over our money. And that's a responsibility that he has delegated to us. And what you do if you have your storehouses... And then to take dominion over your finances, you need to have a budget, and it needs to be written down. And I know this is just basic stuff, but I don't think it hurts to go over it. Years ago when we were young and dumb, I just wondered why people didn't tell us some of this stuff, and we had to figure it out for ourselves. But you have to take your dominion over your finances. You need to have a budget and have it written down, and you need to manage it. You manage, that's how you manage your finances. By doing that, this is what, if you read Genesis in chapter 1, when God created the earth, he spoke it into existence. That's how he exercised his dominion. And so by having a budget, this is what you're really doing. You're telling your money where to go. And you have dominion over it. You will either take control and dominion over your money or it will take control and dominion over you. And so when Keyes talked about we are the the army of the Almighty, we have to not only manage our mouth, our emotions, our zeal, but we have to manage our money. And it's a responsibility. It talks about in the New Testament, Jesus talked about being stewards. 
and we have to be stewards of our finances. So we're going to continue on that, just go over practical things. You can get online. There's hundreds of resources to just get on and print off how to set up a budget and and how to figure out what you have need of. But we'll probably hit on that also. But what I want you to do right now is to stand up because we've got to start going over this prayer again taking dominion over our finances. So we're going to pray this together. Father, as we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessing and increase, divine favor, generosity, increased capacity, new skills, witty inventions and ideas, wise investments. We thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I have more than enough to get into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are all, uh, you go ahead and be seated. The ushers will receive your tithes and offerings. I believe with all my heart, God is on the move, and one of the things he's going to do is bless his people. So get ready, and we've got to prepare for that. That's why I'm doing this. Ushers, you go ahead, and thank you for your generosity. Amen. You realize before the children of Israel had the exodus out of Egypt, what did they do? What did they ask the Egyptians for? Gold, silver, did they give it to them? Yeah, and Egypt's a type of the world. So I believe what Kathy said is, is correct. In the days ahead, you expect money to come. Amen. And it might surprise you where it comes from. Amen? Amen. We're on a series. We've been on the series of the anointing. Now we're on the army of God. Because God has anointed us to militarily. Amen? To be in the army of God. And I want to put up there, if you put up there please, our purpose statement. So we're going to look at God's role in warfare. The purpose of fire. That'll be next week. Give promises in, in war, specific commands regarding warfare, what the believer wars against. Old Testament versus New Testament, the believer's weaponry. You've got to know your weapons, people. Amen. And good soldier's characteristics. Now go back to the, uh, the next one. There you go. 
There's an army of believers being gathered and equipped in these days who will be skilled in all the weapons of spiritual warfare. They will be those who have understanding of the times and insight into the ways of God concerning kingdom conquest. Their discernment in spiritual things and submission to the leading of the Spirit will give them great advantage over previous generations of warriors, both in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. They view the kingdom of God that is a term of an idea to be debated, but as a powerful reign of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everyone said, Amen. Look in Hebrews 11. Let's look at our text this morning. Say, I'm in the Lord's army. Last night we were sitting at the granary. Best chicken there is. Amen. And uh, we were sitting there, and, and I noticed my brother-in-law, and he was doing something with, you know, speaking to the waitress. And there was a gentleman sitting right next to us in a booth behind who was in the military. And he bought him dinner. And he had, I said, how would you know? He had a hat. I don't know what did it say. Air Force. <laughs> well, he's a Navy man. Air Force catches it, don't they? They just do. But uh, he had that hat on, so now, and every time now, when I go to my, visit my brother-in-law and sister, I will have a hat that says, I'm in the Lord's army. And I'll put it on when we get ready to eat. Amen? Amen, amen. Let's look at this in Hebrews 11. Let's review quickly. It says, By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, and became what? valiant in battle, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Amen? See, that's what's coming. We've got to turn to flight the aliens that are coming. Whatever. Now, I want you to see that these men of faith were men of war. And, and believers today, Christians today, you can't see your enemy, but there is an enemy. It's an unseen enemy, and you better know how to deal with him, the devil. Amen? We said our faith can be used in two ways during a time of war. Protection from harm. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Then we said faith is used to defeat the enemy. God not only gave his people strength to fight, but also fought along with them, and we're going to see that today. We said Moses addressed two specific tribes of of Reuben and Gad. Remember, they were going to cross the Jericho, or the Jordan River. And these two tribes, they didn't want to cross. They wanted to stay behind. And Moses said no. And he addressed them and he said, basically, if you, if you don't come along, you're going to cause discouragement. That was number one. Then we said, what would happen? God would become angry with those who refused to fight with their brothers and sisters to defend their nation. And then number three, if you don't fight... And I don't think many people see this in the Scripture. If you don't fight, you're, you've sinned. <laughs> it's a sin not to fight. 
could we say it's, it's a sin not to fight in the spiritual battle we're in? Amen. That's true. Then we said God is a God of war in Psalm 18 and then Psalm 144. It says, He teaches my hands to make war. Then we told you last week we closed with a definition of army. It's men and women organized and disciplined for battle. So, folks, we're in a time right now we need to get organized. We need to become more disciplined in our spiritual walk. That's what I, I, I told you that, and I repeat this, because I received this from God when I was sitting back there a couple years ago. The Spirit of God spoke to me, the, the, the phrase, marshal the troops, or marshal the forces. What's that mean? It means to prepare you, and get you ready for what's coming. And I, I, I'm doing my best to stir you up. I don't want you to be complacent, and lethargic, and sitting on the sidelines. You're in a battle. And, you know, if you belong to Patriots United, you're going to know you're in a battle. Amen? If you're involved politically and you know what's going on in the state, and even in this city, it's a battle. And the thing that you need to realize, you need to, and I need to, and we together corporately, we need to fight this spiritual battle through prayer. First and foremost, you can... Yell at a politician or a member of the opposite political party to you're blue in the face. But if you don't pray, it's not going to make any difference. Amen? Now, let's turn to Exodus 14. And we're going to look at God's role in warfare. God's role in warfare. So I'm going to read this account. This is the Red Sea crossing. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. And I want you to see this morning, everything I tell you applies to the church today. Say, it applies to me. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they return, or they turn and camp before Phi-Haroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon, and you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they're bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So they followed orders from headquarters, didn't they? Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled in the heart of Pharaoh and his servant was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And then the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with what? boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pi-Haroth, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. So they went from boldness to being afraid. <laughs> 
And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, because there, was, there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now listen to verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be what? Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will what? Fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will what? Fight for you. So, I want you to see here, salvation of the Lord, that phrase, salvation of the Lord, implies deliverance and speaks of God working on behalf of His people. Now, right now, if you look at the world scene, the national scene, you look at what's going on in Washington, D.C., you think, where is God? Is He, is he moving? Yes, He is. Because He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, we have a Pharaoh in the White House. But God is bigger than Pharaoh. God is bigger than Joe Biden. Amen? I want you to see, hold your place there. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I love this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 8. And just to set this up well, without going into much detail, Paul and his, Apostle Paul and his companions, I don't know specifically what happened. But they were to the point where they were facing death. And I want you to listen to what he says. It says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. So it didn't look very good, did it? No. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but listen, but in God who what? Raises the dead. So, you know, if they were killed, they just believe God, they'd be raised from the dead. Now, I want you to see this statement, verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that He will still deliver us? So we serve a God that God will deliver us past, God delivers us present, and God delivers us future. So get it into your heart. Renew your mind to the fact, no matter what's going on in the world right now, has God delivered His people in the past? I just read you how He delivered the people from Egypt. Is that a worse scenario than today? No. You know, we, you look at what's going on today. It's, it's, it's terrible. But we serve the same miracle-working God. We sang it today. He's the way maker. And as you see up there, God fights for His people. Are you His son? Are you His daughter? No matter what you're, go what's, what you're going through right now in your life, spiritually, 
physically, financially, relationally, whatever it is, he's a way maker. He's a miracle working God. Now, there's three commands. Go back to Exodus 14. There's three specific commands in verse 13. Let me read it. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, I want to look at three commands here, and this applies to us today. Number one, do not be afraid. Say it. If all you do is listen to Fox News, CNN, that can breed fear. Amen? Because the media, the corrupt media, is very good at stirring things up. So, you know, you, you're going to become what you listen to. If you allow that spirit of fear into your heart, and the Bible says God's not given His people a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound disciplined mind. So He says, do not be afraid. Believers today, spiritual warriors today, should be fearless and not fearful. Say, I'm fearless. I'm not fearful. I, I found these two statements that are really good. Fear and worry. Maybe you won't want to listen to this. Should I skip this one? Fear and worry seems to be the sin that most people are not afraid to commit. Let me read it again. Fear and worry seems to be the sin that most people are not afraid to commit. I'll never forget, this was many years ago. I don't know, I'd gone to the newspaper and they were interviewing me about something and the gal, the reporter, was sitting there and, and I, I don't remember what we were, the subject, but whatever, it, it came up and I looked her right in the eyes and I said, you know, fear is a sin. And it's like I slapped her. But how many of us, we think about everything else being a sin. But if you and I can sit, and I've done it, and you've done it, say this with me, fear and worry is a sin. Then listen to this, this is a good statement. Worry or fear is simply the misuse of God's creative imagination which He's placed within each of us. Worry is simply the misuse of God's creative imagination which He's placed within each of us. That's why the Scripture says God's not given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound, disciplined mind. If you and I keep our minds disciplined, make a big difference. Amen? When it comes to fear and it comes to worry. Psalm 56, this is what you and I do. The psalmist said in verse 3, Whenever I am afraid, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. That's a song. I have sung it for many, many years. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His Word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? So, whenever you're afraid, whenever I'm afraid, what should we do? Trust in God. Trust 
in His Word. Get the Scriptures. Meditate on the solution, on the answer, not the problem. Use that creative imagination the right way. Amen? Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So the first thing God told Moses, and Moses told the people, do not be afraid. How many times through the New Testament, Jesus? what did Jesus say usually when he, he appeared? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. You find it throughout the whole Bible. Do not be afraid. Fear not. So in the days ahead, fear not. Don't be afraid what's going to happen. Amen. And we all, you know, we really don't know exactly what's going to happen. But whatever happens, don't be afraid. Don't let fear grip your heart. Amen. So, you know, God fights for his, for his people. George Patton said, all men are frightened. The more, now listen to this, the more, this is Patton, he said, the more intelligent they are, the more they're frightened. The courageous man is the man or woman who forces himself, in spite of his fear, to carry on. So I'm telling you, church, in the days ahead, we're going to carry on. Amen? Next thing, next directive that he gives, Gave, stand still and see the salvation of God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Or stand and watch. Everyone say stand and watch. See, most Christians are good at sitting and watching TV. Well, I, there's nothing wrong with watching TV. I watch TV. But too many Christians are on their backside sitting. And we're supposed to be standing. And we're supposed to be alert. Micah drills this, and you know I'm getting older, and you know I I, th- I like to think I'm sharp yet, but maybe I'm not quite as astute as I used to be. And he's always telling me, Dad, wherever you go, you got to watch. Watch your surroundings. What's what's going on around you? See, that's what he's saying to the children of Israel. Stand still and see, or watch for the salvation of God. Say, stand and watch. In Ephesians 6, look there, because this is important. I was reminded of that as I was studying about the word stand. And you know the Scripture, you've heard it many times in Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Say, strong in the Lord. That's a command. We're supposed to be strong as believers. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Be able to what? Stand against the wiles or the schemings of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Are we in the evil day? 
Yeah. After having done all to stand, then he tells you specifically how to stand and use that armor. Amen. Now, I want to read to you, and I'm going to read it because I follow Rick Renner. He's, he's a Greek scholar, and, and this is a book I've had in my It's fallen apart in the had it for years, and it's called Dress to Kill, a Biblical Approach to Spiritual Warfare and Armor. And I want to read to you how he defines the word stand. He says, the phrase to stand is taken from the, the Greek word stenai, and it literally means to stand. In this verse, Paul uses the word stenai to picture a Roman soldier who's standing upright and tall with his shoulders thrown back and his head lifted up. Would you put Jesus up, please, the right one? Okay. This is the image of a proud and confident soldier, not one who slumped over in defeat and despondency. The word stenar, or to stand, depicts what we look like to the spirit realm when we're walking in the whole armor of God. Amen? This armor puts us in a winning position. There's no reason for us to live our lives slumped over in defeat. We're equipped to beat the living daylights out of any foe that would dare assault us. I loved listen to, um, is it what, Sean Ryan? Podcasts, because he interviews all these soldiers, and these, these are soldiers. And they know how to fight, and they know how to stand. It'd be good for, I, I think, you know, well, I can't watch it because they cuss. Well, <laughs> if you've ever been in the military, I think you, you, you probably get used to that. And no, I don't like them using the Lord's name in vain. And I don't like when they damn this and damn that. But I'm just saying, you need to respect these men and women that have served our nation right now. And don't get religious. He said, Hence, we can walk boldly and confidently with our shoulders thrown back and our head lifted high because we're dressed in the whole armor of God. There's something else important about this word, stenai, which must be pointed out. This word in the Greek was used in a military sense to mean to maintain a critical and strategic military position over a battlefield. Let me, let me read that again. This word in the Greek is used in a military sense to mean to maintain a critical and strategic military position over a battlefield. Why is this so important? Because this meaning of stenai implies that we have a responsibility to stand guard, now listen, over the battlefields of our own lives. If God has called you and given you a specific job to do in the body of Christ, then you must stand guard and maintain a critical position over that job until it is fulfilled. The devil does not want you to fulfill the call of God upon your life. He may try to attack that call from God, turn it into a battlefield. Therefore, until the job is finished, the battle is won, you must stand guard over the will of God for your life. You must determine you'll not give the enemy in an inch. This is your responsibility. Now listen. Are you listening? The most important battlefield of your life is your mind. I pause for dramatic effect. Your mind. 
As stated before in this book, spiritual warfare is primarily a matter of the mind. As long as the mind is held in check and is renewed to right thinking by the Word of God, the majority of spiritual attacks will fail. However, when the mind is left open and unguarded, it becomes the primary battlefield that Satan uses to destroy lives, finances, businesses, marriages, emotions, and so on. It is your responsibility to stand guard over, over those areas of your life. And if, you, if the devil can get you sidetracked and distracted and become too busy, then your mind, which is the battlefield, is going to be open to a vicious attack of the devil. Lying thoughts and accusations. He's the father of lies. And he, did, he tempted Jesus. You know. And so, we need to recognize that. And we have... We have a, uh, responsibility to renew our minds daily to the Word of God. Amen? The third thing, and this is, <laughs> this is hard for many people, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's difficult for me. Verse 14, it says, The Lord will what? Fight for you, and you shall hold your P, I can't want to say P. Hold your peace. I've had to hold my P. It's not, it's not pleasant. Hold your what? Peace. Hold your peace. Literally, this is what it means. <laughs> You're grinning, Timothy Scott, to be quiet. To be what? I have to work real hard to be quiet. How, ma how many of you is it difficult? It may be everybody to do. Some people are, are better at it. Years ago when the boys were young and we, they wanted to deer hunt, we'd go deer hunting and I'd sit in the blind. And guess what, Steve? I had to be what? I had no choice. If I wanted to hear the deer coming or, or Bigfoot, I had to be quiet. We've got to work in these, these last days. Because listen, folks, if you're not quiet, how can you receive direction and instruction from God? If you're standing and believing and you want an answer from God, and all you're doing is running your mouth, you're going to have a hard time discerning, is that God? Is that the flesh? Is that the devil? We've got to work it learning how to do that. And I've gotten, it's become a habit now. I have, I do certain things a certain way every day. I come to church, I, I begin with worship. And then what I'll do is I'll, after half an hour of that, I'll sit down and be quiet. Is that hard sometimes? Oh. Oh my, because your mind's racing because you know, I want to do this, I've got to do that, and, and whatever. Maybe I should go do that. And, may, and you just got, what I do, I don't know what you do, I just say, mind be still in Jesus' name. Amen? Do it till your can, mind can shut up. Be still. And I've had to do it, Laura, more than once. 
because if you're distracted and you're busy and there's confusion, whatever it is, and I know some of you work every day on a job, you've got kids, you've got responsibility, but you're going to have to find your quiet place. Micah gets up earlier than I do, and he's got a habit. And he, he, he gets in his quiet place, and then I get up, and it's not a quiet place anymore. And then, and then he gets out of love. <laughs> Be quiet. I thought I wanted to say, well, uh, these devotions are doing you a lot of good if you're getting nasty with your old man. Dad, be quiet. I'm, I'm in the Bible. I'm reading. What? Did you hear what your brother said? <laughs> it's pathetic or prophetic? <laughs> Don't worry, Caleb. The day's coming. Amen. Then that ice thing can rattle. See, Caleb and Kaylee lived with us for about eight months, and so we got to know each other. Then my brother-in-law and sister come. They've been with us now, what, four months? About, <laughs> no. Do you hear things in the morning? You don't? We have an ice chest, and Micah's real good at that, you know. We love you, Micah. Say, we love you, Micah. Start looking for a home. Okay. Hold your peace. Literally, be quiet. When you and I can be quiet, we can hear God's voice. Isaiah thirty fifteen says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Let me read that. That's a good scripture. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and what? Resting. Returning in rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. You've heard me quote Dick Mills. And he's gone on to be with the Lord. And we had him a number of times when Kathy and I were young and uh, well-known all over the world. We, you know, we were, we were blessed to have great men and women of God, weren't we, Pat? Pat said yes, because she remembers him. What would you say? We still do. But I'm saying in the early days when we were young and just getting started, God sent us some generals, and this man was. This is how he describes that verse, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Quietness is not passivity, fatalism, or a state of detachment. Quietness is not resignation to a painful situation, a sort of why-try mindset or outlook. Quietness is a total absence of noisy distraction, tumultuous turmoil, of frantic, hectic pressure. It is God's gift of peace given right in the midst of labor and activity. Quietness is not an absence of problems or trials. It is an undisturbed calm that says in the midst of a difficult situation and tribulation, it's all right, God is in control. Such calmness produces 
confidence. Confidence is translated elsewhere as assurance and boldness. In the midst of quietness, confidence surfaces and emerges as a potent force. The Lord gives quietness, now listen, to the seeking, praying soul. The end result is confidence. Girded about with these two spiritual powers, we can proceed with a new strength and determination to finish the task we've been called to accomplish. So if you and I get, get quiet, guess what? We'll become more confident and more bold. Amen? I'm going to stop there. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. So what did you learn today? If you took notes, read off, read off the notes. What did you learn? Because if you don't answer me, I'm just going to have you sit down. I'm going to start all over again. I'm going to go to the beginning. Fear not. That's right. Stand still and watch. Fear and worry is sin. Yeah, there's a note taker back there. See, note takers become way makers. I just came up with that. It's pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> Amen. You you heard you heard that, didn't you? Amen. I'm going to read this over you this morning. This was my devotion this morning by Brenda Kuhneman. It's called Mighty Warrior Arise. Today I decree. Now this is for you. Say this is for me. Today I decree that you rise up as a mighty warrior of the spirit like Gideon. I speak a spirit of valor upon you right now. I declare you will not back down from the operations of the enemy that would work to intimidate, manipulate, or control you. I say you're well equipped to wage war with the weapons of might that will pull down strongholds. I prophesy you're rooted and grounded in love that you'll never stumble or become offended by the fiery darts of the wicked. I declare that your faith will not fail. Say that. My faith will not fail. May you be surrounded with assurance and confidence that God is with you and He shall not allow you to fall or be defeated. I say it is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say you're a mighty warrior. Amen. We're going to go on next week and we're going to talk about fire. Amen. And God is a, a God of fire. And uh, we're going to look at that and, and study that in, in regards to, to warfare. Now, is there anyone here today and you need prayer for your physical body? You all healthy? Amen? Okay. I want to remind you of something. And I'm going to do this. I won't do it every week. But who's coming in it's the end of January? Jeff Rogers. And you have a, a, a directive to follow. What was that? I don't remember. Store up. I have an amount I'm believing God for, and, and it's, it's a big amount. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Where there's a vision, there's provision. And God gave you faith. You can use your faith to generate finances and make money to establish and advance the kingdom of God. And so I, I know he's going to come. You're going to be blessed, but we're going to send him away blessed. Now, 
we we support i you, you need to understand we support apostle mike very well he's well taken care of we don't get you know apostle jeff here we haven't had him for oh my probably 15 years 20 years maybe a long time and so when he comes i want to send him away blessed so i'm believing god if you got a business you're going to be prospered but i want you to t- i want to tell you something believe god for an amount now, if I could have, I'm just going to throw, that, throw this out here. If I could have ten families believe God for $1,000, what if I had ten families believe God to have $500 to give? Or another ten families that could believe God for $250 to sow? Amen? And this preacher isn't going to ask you to do it unless I do it. In fact, I'm going to whoop all of you. Get ready, because we're going to bless this man and his work in Africa. So, did you get that? Father, I call these people blessed spiritually, blessed physically, blessed financially. You give them the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. You give them the ability to gain wealth to establish your covenant. And so, Lord, I thank you they've learned today they're in the Lord's army. And they need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord in the days ahead. Not be afraid. Don't worry. But Lord, they can cast all their care upon you for you care for them. You, Jesus, are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And you've delivered the nation of Israel more than once. And you're going to do it again. And you're going to deliver this nation out of the hands of wicked men. And so, Father, we give you praise and we thank you, Lord, that you are the way maker. You are the miracle working God to your people. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Well.